for having the Goyi kids to go. And um, I did print some outlines. I think they're on the printer. Uh, oh, they're in the back. So if you want one, uh, there's not a lot of scripture reference on here, but we will be trying to get to um, some scripture here as well. And um, do not get ahead of me. There we go. Um, do you have those uh, channels unmuted there, son? And we're going to try uh, to do some samples of music tonight, some different kinds. Uh, um, I have debated some. Uh, I really don't want to bring ungodly samples of ungodly music and play them in church. I just really don't like that. Uh, uh, it's not that we couldn't find lots of uh, ungodly samples of music to play. Um, and uh, really, if I thought that uh, we had people who were members of our church secretly listening to uh, rap and uh, all of these gangsta and all of these things that are out there, I... Uh, I think I would be taking a totally different tack on this uh, uh, thing, but uh, on this series of lessons, um, I don't uh, believe that. And, and if it is true, uh, uh, there is an altar right here. You can get right after service. And you don't have to tell me. Uh, you can just get rid of uh, that foolishness. Uh, it is uh, not even what could properly be considered music. Uh, it doesn't, and that's where we're starting tonight. Is you know what makes good music good? Music. What what makes uh, a a proper type of music okay? And and very very simply, yes, this is uh, what we would call uh, an oversimplification. But most of the time, if you'll just follow the rules. Uh, you'll find that you're not going to have a a big problem here. Uh, It is a balance of the parts. A melody, a harmony, and a meter. Uh, uh, I don't use the word beat because of what it's connected to. Uh, What is that? You can go to the store and you can buy beats and put them on your ear. Uh, uh, and it's supposed to be accentuated bass and all of this so that you can uh, destroy brain cells with ultrasonic waves and things. Be my guest. But what we're talking about here is a proper arrangement of notes, of melody, of harmony, of chords. One of the lessons I've got to get with my wife and... uh, uh, actually want to divide the church up into different groups and just have a little bit of uh, uh, fun as well as learning what harmony is. Uh, harmony is a wonderful thing, but if you get too much of it, then the music doesn't have a message. And music ought to have a message uh, if there are lyrics or even if there are not, does the song have a good message? Uh, you can have, and we've said this before, you can have good music with bad words. 
Do I need to explain that? Don't, don't think so. Um, if it's bad music, then why are you caring about the words? Even if they're good, it's not uh, uh, something that we want. Uh, and one of the things that you could do is if you would, uh, we do understand that uh, most m- lyrics for real music is what we would call poetry. Take the music away and, and read the words. In fact, uh, why don't you just grab your hymn book? Uh, let me see, both of them ended up over here tonight. And uh, just a second, let me get the page number here. This is not in your notes. Um, there we go. 440. Page number 440. If you're there, look up this way and then look back at your hymn book and let's just read these words. When my life work is ended and I cross the swelling tide, when the bright and glorious morning I shall see, I shall know my Redeemer when I reach the other side, and His smile will be the first to welcome me. Aren't those some beautiful words? And if you know anything about this song, Fanny Crosby, the writer of this song, was blind. It's amazing how many of her songs talk about seeing things. And uh, because when uh, when she got to heaven, she's been there quite a while, Uh, She did see her Savior, and truly, uh, the words of the hymn, I shall know him, I shall know him, and redeemed by his side I shall stand, I shall know him, I shall know him by the print of the nails in his hand. And what we simply have is beautiful words, a beautiful melody, and uh, if we... uh, Pray for Leland and Rachel, and uh, they're all sick tonight, so pray for them. But if we could get some nice harmony going here, you could sing this in in four parts, and just, just a beautiful, beautiful hymn. It's got good words, it's got good uh, structure to it, the chords uh, are, are proper, and you, you have to understand, um, uh, I do not remember names. Uh, some of it is on purpose. Uh, the uh, head musician for one of the most famous uh, rock bands that has, I believe they've sold as many or more albums than any other group in history. It's called the Eagles. And they've been around forever. And they've uh, just millions and millions of, of copies of their songs the lead songwriter and musician for the group has a Ph.D. in music. Any Ph.D.s out there? I don't have one. The world studies hard. And do you know what his Ph.D. was in? Classical music. Do you want me to tell you why? 
because the foundation of all music is what we call classical music. In, in, uh, unless you're going to go into um, Sikh and, and Hindu hymns, and I think we joked a little bit about that, some of the half tones and uh, the really, really strange stuff that this world has to offer, if you are going to be in the realm of what would sound to us as normal music, it comes under the classification, under the general genre of classical music. And, and there's a lot of things. In fact, why don't we just take a, a, just a quick sample here. How many recognize this song? I mean... Hardly a wedding goes by, somebody doesn't play this. And what we have here is this is called Pachelbel's Canon. Now what he's doing is he's taking one melody and he's firing it over and over and over again. But then they add something. And something more. And they keep adding and it's... Now let me ask you, how many of you feel just a little more relaxed? That's why they play this song at weddings, by the way. Calm everybody down. This is classical music in its... Now you hear the melody being changed and added to and played over top of itself. And it's, I happen to like this arrangement because it has all those nice little things there. But this music's got good melody, it's got a good pattern. We have to be careful. Not everything that sounds good is good, but this is good music. It doesn't hurt you. It's not going to lead you in another direction. All right. Uh, I wish you could keep it going. I love it. It's just uh, enjoyable. This is what we call classical music. It's structure. Do you realize that um, up until the inventing of the printing press, most music was not even written down. And what was written down was only copied by hand. Uh, the tablature is what we call it, the staff and how the music is printed like in your hymn book. Uh, this hadn't been invented yet. This, I'm going back a few years before Mr. Pachelbel here. And uh, we have here a kind of an outline on your thing of classical music. You have medieval and renaissance. Uh, that takes us up to about the year 1600. Uh, Baroque, uh, Pachelbel's canon is strongly in that Baroque category. It was written between 1600 and 1750. The primary emphasis of the Baroque music was church music. Most of it was written for uh, uh, church. Some of it was uh, uh, psalms put to music, other words. But 
Uh, the printing press comes on uh, 14-something or other. Uh, the first thing printed on the printing press is the Gutenberg Bible, which is a Latin Bible uh, by the Catholic Church. You can actually go to the library on Fifth Avenue there. They have a Gutenberg Bible there, uh, extant, uh, worth uh, millions of dollars, literally. Uh, but to understand the Renaissance you got to grab a hold of one point. They talk about the age of enlightenment and uh, knowledge and all of this, but the main purpose of the Renaissance was to break the tyranny of the church over thought and practice. Now, some of that was good because the Roman Catholic Church was... Uh, unbelievable, uh, without parallel in its tyranny over souls. Uh, The Catholic Church in England put people to death in the late 1500s because they said the Lord's Prayer in the English language. A man named Wycliffe translated the New Testament from the Latin into the old English language. And... uh, The Catholic Church was so incensed that they literally dug up his bones and burned his ashes and scattered the ashes to the winds because somehow they wanted to disquiet the resting place uh, of Mr. uh, Yes, Mr. Wycliffe. I got the right guy. And uh, aren't, aren't you thankful that that kind of foolishness does not affect your relationship with God? Um. But once the printing press got here, music could be printed and then other people could play them. Guess what? They began to invent instruments. We have the pipe organ being developed. Uh, before uh, these things, they, uh, some of the cathedrals in medieval Europe, uh, they actually would have three and four different consoles, keyboards, and then in the basement, they had, uh, I don't know what else you would call them, uh, the equivalent of the galley slaves, and they were pumping the air by hand to make those organs work. Could you imagine how much air it would take to make one of those great big pipe organs with all those pipes play? And, and so you had these guys in the basement just going like crazy. I mean, they were sweating, taking turns. Uh, and and uh, uh, later on, there came other types of motors which actually uh, began to turn the bellows that produced the air and things uh, uh, were a little easier and the sound was more uniform. In fact, if you go out to community, uh, there's a little pump organ uh, from the uh, uh, turn of the last century, uh, late 1800s, And the organist would literally sit there in the chair and pump the bellows with their feet while they were trying to play with their hands. Uh, How many would be signing up for that job? Uh, Talk about uh, uh, split shin uh, shin splints and all those kinds of things. I mean, it it could be quite painful. And uh, But once we got, um, in fact, Wikipedia calls what we would call the 
main period here from 1600 to 1910, the common practice period. Now, the reason it's called that is because music had a standard eight notes that made an octave. Do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. Uh, and there was a standard uh, separation between the notes there. And people put things together using the same chords and the same harmonies. It, it was somewhat regulated. There's a lot you can do with music. Uh, probably the most recognizable classical piece. Let's see if we can get it to work here. How many people have heard this? This is Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. Strongly classical error of the classical period. It has been called the most perfectly arranged symphony by man. And Beethoven wrote his music to the praise of Beethoven. And that's why we need to be careful. There we go. Uh, because uh, are you sinning by listening to Beethoven's Fifth Symphony? No. It's good music. But... If you made a steady diet of the majority of the music you listened to, if it were of, uh, of this genre, it is going to take your, your thought process and your direction and you're going to... Uh, if, if, uh, let me illustrate it better this way. How many of you have ever met a real classical musician? Someone that plays this kind of music all the time professionally. You know what the first thing that you usually are impressed about? The amount of pride that they carry around. Because it's all about the musician. Now, the Lord is not afraid of us excelling and doing well. Of stretching the limits of human ability and there's nothing wrong with that as long as we keep it in check. Now, I personally do not like it. I do not appreciate it at all when someone takes Mozart, Beethoven, uh, some of these classical uh, writers who just wrote music to be appreciated, to make money, to have people appreciate them. Um, and mix it with hymns. I don't like it when we take rock and roll music and mix it with hymns. I don't like it when Dolly Parton sings hymns. Uh, or Elvis Presley or any of these other people. Uh, I don't even like it when Johnny Cash sings hymns. And I, I remember meeting somebody, but he's the best. Uh, I'll stand by Brother Clayton's statement. He said, I never met a guitar player that knew how to sing. And... Uh, uh, the idea here is, this is 
what we call common practice Western music as a whole, including our hymns, are all based on the same musical principles as Pachelbel's Canon, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, and uh, they, they are basically good music. About the turn of the last century, 1890, it gives us, is the modernist period. And then we get into postmodernists. Now, it is interesting that music went off the rails in the 1890s, and theology went off the rails in the 1920s, not far behind it. Uh, the same words are used. A modernist, uh, here in this city, we had uh, uh, the most famous modernist in New York City was Harry Emerson Fosdick. He was the pastor of uh, Riverside Church, I believe, or Marble Collegiate. I don't remember the name. Anyway, it was the church that Rockefeller built. And uh, he did not believe in the virgin birth. He did not believe in uh, the need of salvation. He, he believed that Jesus was a fine man, and that's all there was to it. He did not believe in the miracles. He did not believe in spirits, angels. He didn't believe in heaven. He didn't believe in hell. Somebody said, what did he believe in? Mr. Rockefeller's money. Uh, and uh, he was uh, a, a preacher in this city. You know, he was following the music. We have people who tried to rewrite the rules for music. No longer are we going to have a one three five chord. Let's let's try a one four seven. Uh, and if you have any idea what that is, you know that, that, that that's one of those things that come out of the horror movies or the fight scenes. Uh, it's it's not pleasing. It's not good music. And then we get to the point uh, where we have people slamming piano lids. Uh, I think in the 1980s, a guy wrote a musical piece. It was accepted as such, and he took a $50,000 Steinway piano and pounded it with a sledgehammer until it was in splinters and sat down and everybody clapped. Now, I, I tell you, that, that is not music. Uh, we have people throwing uh, elephant dung on a canvas and... Uh, Oh, did you hear about that new one? Uh, some art critic walked in and destroyed this guy's piece of art. He had a sheet of glass that he had embedded a basketball and a tennis ball, and, and she sat her empty Coke can down beside the unit, and somehow something triggered and just dissolved his uh, piece of art into shards of glass uh, shattered on the floor. And... Uh, the art critic was very sorry about that, and the artist was very upset, and I haven't read what happened, uh, but I'll, I'll tell you, nothing gained, nothing lost, all right? Uh, we can talk about art, but just because man is expressing himself does not mean it's good. There's an awful lot of expressions in the heart that would be better left repressed, amen? And... Uh, we have the music and the artist, and it's uh, amazing 
uh, all of these things that came on here. And uh, what I would like to do here is spend a few minutes here on some pictures with music. Because music tells a story. Now, let me see if I can find one here. Okay. Here's one. Uh, you will probably recognize it. It's been played every way that it can possibly be played. How many of you know the title of this? This is called The Flight of the Bumblebee. It's a fantasy story of a magical swan that turned the prince into a bumblebee so he could sting his grandmother's nose. Uh, and, uh, but how many of you can see the bumblebee? And this is romantic, the last stage of classical music where the emphasis came off of the music and, and tried to be more just on the pictures here. Okay, we've had enough bumblebees. Now I'm going to play you an entirely different genre of music, but this one's painting a picture too. How many of you know the name of this one? My kids do. It's called Cripple Creek. And what it is, is a musical picture of a little flowing brook. Can you hear it? Can you see the water running down and splashing over the rocks and the trees and the little branches dipping in the water? That's the picture that is being painted here. And you'll hear the tune repeated and, and passed between the different instruments. And uh, let me try this one. This is, again, a romantic piece. And uh, this comes, I've talked about pictures in an exhibition. And this is one of the pictures. Now, the Russian composer had a friend who was an artist that had painted several watercolor pictures, and he said, I'll paint his pictures with music. Does anybody know what this one is about? This is about baby chicks running around. Can you hear them? Just little chickens running around, the eggs hatching, and little peepers just sitting there looking at each other. This was uh, um, Mazorsky, the Russian composer, loved his friend, and, and just took his watercolor pictures and tried to paint them with music. Now, this is one of my favorite songs. Again, this comes from Bluegrass. This is called Crossing the Cumberland. Walking up through the mountain passes in the deep woods. 
pictures it paints in my mind. The Indians lurking, which they were during the days of Daniel Boone. And this, he was the one that opened the Cumberland Pass in the land we now call Kentucky. Of course, this is written much later. But these are just different pictures that are painted with music. There's no words. And uh, I wonder how many of you can guess what this one is a picture of. If you guess steam locomotive, you got it right. I mean, you can just hear the train, the bell ringing, and it's all done by musical instruments. You see, music is good. You can portray messages in music that you really can't express in words. And pictures that are just beautiful to be painted. We have uh, many, many different kinds of music. Uh, This is a um, uh, Scandinavian uh, lullaby or Christmas song. played by an orchestra, but originally just hummed to a little child by grandma or mom or older brother or sister. You hear the melody? Just a good music. Now, if we want to change the mood just a little bit, This is what we call patriotic music. Nothing sinful about this. I'll tell you, if you live in this country, if you love this country, you love this song. Uh, Written around the turn of the last century, Mr. Sousa, when he put his bands together, you know what he was doing? He's following the classical rules of music. He just arranged it a little differently. and, And the music has a message, even if it doesn't have words. Then we come to modern hymns. How many of you remember this one? Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. And then we have to get a little quartet music in here. Let me... Okay. Uh, and uh, good music. Variety of music, different types of music. People say, oh, that church music puts me to sleep. Uh, I'll tell you, amen, quartet doesn't put you to sleep. Uh, Unless you have tuned yourself to something that you're not getting. 
If you have tuned yourself into a rock and roll beat, you're looking for a message that you're not going to find in the Word of God. You're looking for things that you cannot get in church music unless you follow the rules of the modernist and postmodernist where we change. There are no rules. We do not have to put four beats in every measure. We can change uh, that. We do not have to follow any meter at all. We can... By the way, how many of you have read some of that uh, poetry in motion on the subways? I mean, I have yet to see anything that would be classified as poetry. Uh, because people have given up on all the rules. Rules are not evil. And you're not doing something terrible just because you're following the rules, the standard. Uh, that's why it was called. It's put. I mean, this is not me. This is uh, the greatest source in the world. Wikipedia says it's the common practice period. All right. I mean, that's the first time I ever heard of it, but it makes a lot of sense because everyone was following the same rules. All of our hymns following those rules. Believe it or not, even the quartet songs basically follow those rules. Bluegrass uh, follows those same rules. Uh, the bluegrass music comes from the uh, Scottish and Irish uh, airs and jigs. Uh, if you've ever heard Irish fiddle tunes, uh, you know you you know the connection there between that and bluegrass. Those same people moved to the Appalachian Mountains. Many of them did not have uh, their instruments or they broke down and so they had to make some of their own. And then we get into the modern period where we have bassoons and ovos and uh, uh, English horns and uh, uh, contrabass flutes as well as uh, bass horns and treble horns and French horns and E-flat horns and all of these different instruments put together in harmony, in cooperation one with another. Now, we get to the last point of our thing tonight, and it's hymns. And I do want you to be aware that Christian hymns are not the only hymns. The word hymn comes from the Latin, it just means a song of praise. Uh, the Egyptians wrote song of praises to their God. Some of them are uh, uh, not necessarily the music itself is written down. The book of Psalms was all hymns, songs of praise to God, but we do not have the music that uh, they were uh, sung to. That has been lost. Uh, the Buddhists, the Hindus, the Sikhs all have hymns or songs of praises to their God. What makes our hymns different is they follow the right set of rules. Many of the Eastern hymns, this is what the Beatles actually did. Was uh, uh, Oh, I can't remember the guy's name. Please forgive me. I, I just don't care. That's why I don't remember. Uh, but he goes over there to these Hindu temples and studies under one of the gurus and takes the music that was used to literally call the demons in the Hindu temple 
and infuses it into, uh, what was that, uh, Hi, Mrs. Robinson or something like that. Jesus loves you more than you can know. Uh, My sweet Lord, if you listen to the second recording, they changed the words from Hallelujah to Hare Krishna. That was their religion. People used to go crazy when Elvis Presley came into town. But when the Beatles showed up, it took an incredible turn. How many remember that? The music really changed. And the reason was because they were infusing these tunes. This music that was in Worship to Demons... In, uh, this is why rock and roll music is inherently evil and wrong. That's why we do not take it and we do not want it in any of its form. If you take most of your 50s music and remove the beat and get rid of all the bad words, what you have is a show that was basically okay, but you add all these other parts to it, and it's totally corrupt. I mean, uh, who was it said, rock and roll music is rebellion, pure rebellion. What does our Bible say about that? Rebellion is as the sin of what? Witchcraft. So even though... Uh, I've heard people say, there's nothing between a 50 song and some of your hymns. Oh, yeah, there's an awful lot of difference there. One of them is the musician. Another is the words. Another is the message that's being transmitted. Maybe it doesn't sound that different if you take out the words and take out the beat and take out the extra guitars and all of the other things. But then it wouldn't be what it is if you took all those things away, wouldn't it? And so, what we want to understand is music can be enjoyed. What is traditional bluegrass, and please be careful, we have modern bluegrass that's just as rock and roll as all the garbage that is out there. We have... uh, Modern uh, classical music uh, that doesn't have any beat to it at all. It is ametrical, we might say, without meter. I want to challenge you. God never designed music like that for us to enjoy. He has given us order. He has given us a pattern. He has given us things that we can follow, a structure that is safe. Music that's used for God needs to be kept sacred to God. That's the difference between our hymns and the world's hymns. Sacred means separated unto God. Uh, I don't play as much as I would like to or I should, uh, as much as I used to, but I play the saxophone. Now, the first thing people think of with the saxophone is jazz. Uh, I want to tell you, the saxophone was not invented as a jazz instrument. 
was invented as a classical instrument. In fact, it's still in most of the French major symphony orchestras and these things. And you can play a saxophone to please the Lord. Uh, I remember talking to my teacher and he was saying, I, I said, the problem is how do I learn to play and not play jazz on this thing? He says, well, that's real easy. Don't play jazz. Just play the music and you'll develop your own sound. Now, this is coming from an unsaved man. And that's what I did over the years. And every once in a while, I'd have some preacher come up. Hey, can you play that like jazz? And I'm going, no, I can't. I've never learned. I don't want to learn. I mean, there's a part of me that does. But that's the part of me I'm trying to get rid of. Amen? Uh, That's the part of me I'm fighting against. And and we have to be careful in music because there's an awful lot to like about bad music. It appeals to the senses. It doesn't have to have dirty words to be a sensual song. And what we need to understand is that we can have fun, we can have joy, and we can listen to good music, the traditional uh, bluegrass music is good music. You may not like banjos and mandolins and they'd say, well, that just gets on my nerves. Well, listen to Beethoven. But be careful. And I'd be careful that we don't listen to so much of the fun music that the sacred music no longer appeals to our souls. That's the battle we're fighting. Um... There's been books written on southern gospel music, like the quartet music that I played there just for a few moments. Uh, we sell those things, uh, their recordings in our bookstore. You can get them if you... Uh, are we ever going to have the Amen Quartet singing a church service? Probably not. Uh, number one, uh, several of them are becoming pastors now in different churches, and they just get together to record and maybe at a preacher's meeting... But I will tell you this, driving down the road, 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, a nice peppy quartet song will do you some good. And, and so, we have fun. We enjoy. You should. God did not create us to be upset about what everybody else is doing. He's created us to have joy. To have an abundant life. And as long as the music is good, its message is good. I mean, what is wrong with a, with a steam locomotive? I mean, you couldn't, how many of you could hear the wheels start turning and the puffing of the engine? I mean, it was just a beautiful picture painted there with music. You see, in... Let's just look up. I do want to touch on just a couple of verses here. First uh, Samuel chapter 16. And the last verse 
It said, It came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hand, so Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. Now, why did an evil spirit from God trouble Saul? Because Saul rejected the direction of the Holy Spirit of God and to the point that God removed the work of the Holy Spirit, unlike the promise of the ever-indwelling of the Holy Spirit for the New Testament saint. And when that gap is there, who's going to fill it? It was not God trying to destroy Saul. It was Saul being disobedient to God. And yet, when David played with that harp, and I want to challenge you, David didn't have a hymn book like we do today. He did not have set music. There was nothing written down. He was composing many of his songs as he played them. And if he remembered certain melodies that he had learned, then he could repeat those. But uh, if you know anything about music, uh, the same song hardly comes out the same way twice unless you have memorized an arrangement of it. And uh, so David played and it says that Saul was refreshed and was well and the evil spirit departed from him. I want to challenge you that good music protects you. Do not be the kind of person who says, I'm in a foul mood. Let me see here. I had a teacher who was like this in high school. He said, when I'm feeling depressed, he says, I put on depressing music. Funeral dirges and, and uh, uh, requiems and all of these things. And when I'm happy, I put on happy music and I'm sitting there going... Something's wrong with that. You know, what I'm supposed to do is use music to protect me. One of the greatest dangers that we have is when our mind just kind of goes into neutral. We're doing something with our hands that we do over and over again. Maybe data entry or just some boring thing. And if you're not careful, you'll suck in what's around. Put on some good music to protect yourself. If you don't have good music, I'll tell you what, we can get you more good music than you could possibly listen to in any given day. Uh, we'll put you on the John Marshall Family website. I think they have about 280 songs that you can download. Of course, they're all 99 cents a piece. Uh, if you want to buy all of them, let me know, and I will uh, get a hold of Jonathan and see if he'll cut you a deal. Uh, but if you don't need 283 songs, maybe just go through and pick some of the better ones. And if you want to know what albums to pick and what songs, uh, let us know here. Hannah can help you. I can help you order good music, lots of it for your uh computer, your phone, something so that you can have that good music. You can get the Heartland music through our bookstore here, uh, through the website uh, at Heartland. You can get the, we have uh, uh, 
amen quartet songs. You need something to keep you awake late at night. Uh, that, that, that'll do it. And what we want to do is understand that just because the music isn't sacred doesn't mean it's bad. But when we're worshiping God, we don't go out to the world and borrow their music. Nor, let me see, how did I word that in here? We should not borrow worldly music to worship God, and we shouldn't take godly music and make it worldly. That's where the word profane or profanity comes from. Profanity is when you take something that is holy and use it for a common use. That's why when you use the name of Jesus as an expletive, you are profaning the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, When you take uh, a song like Amazing Grace and add it to the end of a country music uh, television program that uh, the whole night was dirty jokes and filthy songs, and now we're all going to sing Amazing Grace. This is very famous in the Grand Old Opry and Hee Haw. And when I was a little kid, my dad loved that kind of music. And so we, uh, I remember watching those things. And I just remember feeling, what, what is wrong here? I don't like this. Well, when I grew up, I figured it out. You see, these were worldly people taking a Christian song and trying to make themselves look more Christian. That's a perversion of music. Most of those songs weren't worth listening to in the first place. And what we need to look for is we need to look for a good structure. We need to look for a good message, even if there are no words. And we need to be careful that we don't make allowances for things that will lead us away from God. Our music is a reflection of our soul. It's amazing if you follow the history. The music went off the rails in the 1890s. It wasn't long before theology and thought process and philosophy and all those things went right off the rails with it. And we live in a postmodern world where there's no such thing as truth. There's no such thing as real error. Everybody's right and we're all happy about it. Well, I will tell you, I think there is more sadness and frustration and argumentation and debate right now than there has been at any other time in our world. It's because we have nothing to measure anything by. But that doesn't have to apply to us. Good music protects you. It will heal your mind. And you need to listen to good music. If you work in a place where the music or the local rock station is playing all day, see if they won't let you stick an earbud in or something. If not, on the way home. Put some good music in and ask God to clean your mind out. Because we, we live in a wicked world. We're influenced in ways that we don't even understand sometimes. And the best thing that we can do is fill our lives, our hearts, and our mind with godly music.
All right, let's, uh, sorry, went a little long there. Let's get into our prayer time tonight.